Welcome to the Brand Builders Love Podcast. I'm your host, Suze Chadwick, creator of Brand Builders Academy and the Amplify Accelerator. Right here on this podcast, we'll inspire you to become a bold and powerful voice in the world and claim your space with confidence. You can be bold and go against the grain to become the creative rebel you want to be. Forget average, it's time to level up. Hey there, gorgeous. How are you doing this week? So great to have you here. I know I say that every week, but it is. I love seeing you here. Seeing, hearing, being with you. So weird. Anyway, (laughs) if it's your first time, then welcome. If it's not, welcome back. Today, I am chatting with a new friend. Don't we love new friends? So when I was at the huddle, I know you're sick of hearing about it, but it was amazing. And if you sign up to the jumbled newsletter, then you will find out about the next huddle because they've already got a wait list going. Uh, So one of the other speakers, Bridie Stewart, who is the creative director of Merrymakers on Instagram, you can go check her out. It's amazing. She was such an awesome speaker. All of all of the mentors were amazing speakers, I just have to say. And so I said to Bridie, come on the podcast. I want to talk to you about all the things that you talked about at the huddle. I want to share your story. And I love the way that she thinks about business and how she actually started her business as well. She's an absolute queen and I cannot wait for you to hear her today. So let me introduce you. Bridie Stewart is the curious creative behind Merry Makers Studio, a visual arts educator and creativity coach with a global following of over 500,000 worldwide. Bridie is transforming the face of fiber art with her innovative practices, exclusive range of bespoke fibres and sought after educational experiences. Featured within the pages of Country Style, Design Junkie, Mind Body Green and the Financial Review, Bridie is on a quest to inspire the nation to get creative. So go check her out, Merrymakers Studio on Instagram. And I do love in the Australia Post ad, which is on TVs now as I'm recording this in June 2022. She's in that ad as well. So every time I see the ad, I'm like, there's Bridie. I love it. So good. So I can't wait to share this with you. So let's dive in. Bridie, welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Wow, so good. So we met and my audience know this. We were at the huddle And we were both just joking that when we got home and we had to go back to normal life, we were like, did you guys know that for the last five days, we've kind of been a big deal? (laughs) I, as we've said, the experience was like no other. And I came home and tried to describe it to my husband and my daughters and even my friends. And they were looking at me going, but mum, no one wants to hear you talk. You're not important. And it was lovely because... I like to have that grounding. I just didn't want it four days after. (laughs) I know, I know. And it was so amazing. Um, You and I connected on Instagram just before the event. And it's so interesting because like all of the mentors, okay, so quickly, before we start, so the huddle was a three-day, four-day, three-day event that was run by Jumbled Online up in Orange. That's how Bridie and I met. And we had a couple of other mentors. I'm going to have Steph and Emily on the podcast as well, which I'm very excited about. And I didn't know any of you. 
And you've all and you've all got these incredible businesses. I did walk away from the huddle going, right, I have to start a product-based business. All of these women are just doing incredible things. And I'm sure it's fine just to start a like an amazing product-based business on the side. So you totally inspired me. Oh, thank you. Um, and that's really my job, and that's what I have turned my life into. I was a school teacher. And now I really just lead into inspiring people to follow their dreams, which let's be honest, I wasn't when I was teaching. I know it's so amazing. And so when you shared your story, I was just like, I have to have you on the podcast because there's been so many things that you've been through and so many risks that you've taken, so many things that you've done courageously. And I just thought, oh, I just want to have this juicy conversation with you. So I'm super excited to have you here. And so, Bridie, for my listeners that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit more about like your business now? So tell us a bit about your business and then what we'll do is that we'll go back in time as to how you got there. So my business is Mary Maker Studio and we are a fibre art supply store. I sort of say it's cool spotlight for fibres you actually want to use. Um, designed by me in-house and manufactured all over the world with small artisan families who create magical products that inspire people to create. And we ship globally, but based in Australia. Amazing. And how big is your team now? So we run a lean team, um, lots of freelancers who do lovely things far and wide, but we've got three people in the warehouse and they are packing orders and getting kits ready and writing cards and doing customer emails. Amazing. Oh, we'll go into we'll go into customer experience in a bit. That's a juicy one I like to talk about. But how much are you shipping? Because I think when you told us at the huddle how much you ship, I was just like, I don't I can't even comprehend how much that is. So how much are you shipping like on a monthly basis of these uh, of of what you've got, like of the tech, what do you call them? Textiles? Yeah. Textiles. Yeah. Fiber. Um, I ship a lot. So I have exclusivity of my product that I design um, in three, con- I design from three countries and no one else can get their hands on these designs. So not only do I ship around Australia, but then I wholesale overseas. So that's a big part of my business as well. I've got suppliers around the world. Um, Shipping-wise, we, ah, look, (laughs) we do ship a lot and I don't like to say it too loud um, because a lot of my customers, it's not about bigger is better. It's about providing a beautiful service that people connect with and makes them feel good. I was like my customer and I still am my customer and I don't like them to think that I've turned into a big, big business. Um, but we're doing hundreds of tons a year. Yeah, I think for me, it <laughs> wasn't it, to it wasn't put a number about, on it. Yeah, it wasn't about you being a big business. I just didn't realize that the industry and this product was that like popular and that in demand. Yeah. So I was just like, oh my gosh, there's this a whole world out there. And I kind of come yeah. from a bit of a crafty background. Like I, I had a, um, like a baby wears business where I used to make a lot of the products when I was, had my first child and I love cross stitch and like all of these. And I've been trying a bit of punch needle, not successfully, but I just was like, I didn't know that this world was out there. So 
you, as you said before, you were a teacher. And so what kind of teacher were you? Where did it all start? So I was a visual arts teacher. I've always been creative and I wanted to be an artist, but I was literally told by my career advisor, you know, this starving artist, you'll never get anywhere. So I was like, okay, got to trust these people. Let's become an art teacher. And I loved it. I really did love it. I like igniting that flame. I like having conversations around creativity and just you know the curious things that we do but as I said at the huddle um, a week before I got married I was pretty unwell and I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis Mm. so this was on Valentine's Day the week before I got married because I'd lost feeling in one leg one arm I had lost vision in one eye and I was really unwell and I knew a diagnosis was coming, but I just, I just didn't want to look at it. I was really busy at work. I was getting married. I didn't have time for this, but you know, what you don't make time for makes time for itself. So the diagnosis really was the impetus to change my whole life. And whereas I was going to school as a teacher you know, telling people to find what they love and follow it and lean into that, that brings them joy. I was going home with anxiety and crippling, like just stagnant energy and was making myself sick because I wasn't following what I was doing. So whereas the MS diagnosis really could be seen as, you know, a negative thing in my life, I think it was the blessing that I needed to get out of my way, to move into this creative field. And as you said, you didn't know there was a market out there for this. Well, back then there wasn't. When I found macrame and weaving, there was no one bringing or designing good fibres. I was going to Spotlight going, is this all there is? Like, surely there's more. What? surely there's more people out there like me who are interested in this stuff. And I thought, hold on a minute. If I want it and I think it's good, maybe other people will. And from there, the business has evolved. Amazing. And so I know that you were sort of saying, so you got the MS diagnosis. And so what was the jump between the diagnosis and working as a teacher through to this is an idea, now what? So I got the diagnosis and got married a week later. So we went on our, actually, I didn't go on our honeymoon. On the Monday after our wedding, I was in hospital having a lumbar puncture, which followed through to um, grand mal headaches and two weeks in bed with chronic fatigue. And it was was a lot. And it was the time where I was meant to be celebrating life. But I sat there and went, imagine you know, imagine if this was taken away from me. So from that point on, like, how do I get out of teaching? How do I do it fast? But how do I do it in a planned and conscious manner? Because, you know, I've got three degrees. I just don't want to chuck them in the bin. I need to use my career with a planned exit. So I, like most people, built my business when I was on maternity leave. I fell pregnant with my first daughter, Lola. And literally when I was breastfeeding her, said this is it I'll I'd feed her I'd put her down and go time to get to work because I'm not going back to school and I was working on this whilst 
luckily getting the maternity leave. I did that um, for my maternity leave position and then I went back to work and then I had my second daughter. And that's when I really saw the fatigue set in because the expectations that were placed on me at school were quite large. Um, the type A personality that I am that has enabled me to grow a business meant that I was everyone's go-to girl at work, which was a lot of pressure mm. for me. Um, and with my health and the fatigue that I do suffer, I just needed to get out. So after my second pregnancy, I sat down with my own self and said, you're not going back. And that is when I really elevated the business and went into fiber supply, not just fiber design and created the community of beautiful artisans all around the world that have so beautifully and, you know, with so much kindness, mm. we've grown this business together. Yeah, that's amazing. I want to step back into that moment where you, you've got your second child, you had the conversation with yourself, because I talk to my audience a lot about this, is that a lot of, we can find all the reasons not to do something. It's risky. What if it doesn't work? What if the money doesn't come in? What if, what if? What was your thought process at that time when it came to actually going, you know, something like I'm going to do this? Did you do it gradually? Did you take a big leap? Was there a big investment? Like what was that kind of thought process to leave what you had and go, I'm actually totally believing that this is something that I can do. I always would say to my students, if you love something, there are people out there who will love it too. No matter what you are into, the world is filled with so many crazy, you know, niche interests. You just need to find those people. I think once I had my daughters and I lent into you know, if I am unwell, what is the legacy that I'm going to leave? Who will they remember their mum by? Um, and I thought, what would I be telling them? You can do anything. You can change the world. And what a disservice and what shallow words are they to send to someone if I'm not doing it? And I said, you know what? I've been told that life is short. I have been given these diagnoses and I'm still like, tiptoeing around this place no way and I just lent in I'm like right work gone this gone friends gone like someone can tell me something you know I don't let other people's opinions ideas sit on me because they're not mine and I think when I had the kids it was that you know who do I want to be for them but realistically who am I and how do I express that yeah, I love it. So good. And another story that you shared at the huddle, which I thought was really interesting, is that you went, when you were looking for suppliers, you went and you spoke to people about, you know, creating what your designs, et cetera. And you had people that were like, this is a bad idea. Can you just share a little Still bit about that? Still to the day. Still to the <laughs> even day. Now, and even now. Even now. And quite often I'm dealing with manufacturing. So I'm dealing with males. 55, let's say, stereotyping, but, and they don't have my vision. They don't have the community of people. They're not artists. So when I will come up to them with an idea, they'll think, oh, that's a silly idea, woman. I'm not going to do that. And as I said, all right, I'll do it. And you won't see me coming. And I'm going to explode onto the market. And you won't, like, 
you'll be you'll be trying to keep up. And you know, there's lots of copycats out there now for my product, but I am so far ahead. So I've just released a new product now, and I know that in eight months there'll be copycats. But in eight months, I'll already have a new product and a new mm. vision. So I often say it's not who you listen to, but it's who you don't listen to. And just because something hasn't been done doesn't mean you aren't going to do it. Everything in this world we've never done before. Like this podcast, we didn't do until today, but we're doing it now. Riding a bike, you didn't know how to ride a bike until you did, and now it's second nature. Everything that you need to do for yourself, for your business, was new at one stage. It's fine. Take it. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. It's so good. It's so good. I'm just like, that's the snippet I'm going to use. That's so good. Because I do think, you know, there is all of, so much of that fear of what if, and you're so right. Like what, what is easy now was hard at one time. What we thought was impossible is no longer impossible. Like, I just think there are, there we're in a time where there is so much opportunity. And so when it comes to, when it came to the customer, you know, you were looking for a certain product and you're like, I can design it, I can create it. Did you do any research into it or did you just have that feeling that you knew that the, that the community was there? Like, were you part of communities where people were looking for more of the products that you've created? So initially I was an artist and I started off making these designs and it was only because I wanted to use products that didn't exist that I went into the textile design. But as an artist, especially in on Instagram and online, I formed a community with other artists. I would see their works and in my mind as an art critic, I would go, hmm, that work would look better with a little bit of this in it. That doesn't exist. How about I go and make it? Or hmm, that artwork would look better if this, this and this were available. Hmm, let's design that. And through that sense of community, and I would talk to the people and say, oh, have you thought about doing this? Oh, that doesn't exist. <laughs> and it, it, that, it, that curious creativity of my artistry, you know, I am from the industry that I'm designing for. So I really like to explore and push and manipulate it so then the people, my customers, can go and create these beautiful, magnificent works that weren't possible to create five years ago. Yeah, amazing. And I feel like what came out of what you just said is you were an observer as to what it could be rather than a researcher of what they want. Cause it goes back to the whole, you know, Henry Ford's like, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said like a faster horse or something like that rather than a car. And so I think observing yeah. as to what the opportunities are rather than asking people what they want. Cause they're like, well, I don't know. I don't know, but you could see mm. the opportunity there, which is so great. And so what was the next stage of the journey? So You've now quit school. You've spoken to some manufacturers who were like, that's a silly idea. And so so how did you get it made? Uh, You just keep asking. You just keep emailing. You just keep calling people. And, you know, they say the, the J.K. Rowling story, what she sent out hundreds and hundreds of manuscripts for, um, Lord of, what's your right? Harry Potter. (laughs) Harry Potter, Potter, yeah. Um, But 
just because someone says no doesn't mean it's a no. It's no is flexible. And you know, even say, okay, we'll do a small batch. Okay, I'll I'll pay double. Meet the people, send them ideas. You just keep you just keep pushing. A no doesn't mean a no, it just means a not now. So I just yeah. found more people and often finding smaller people to work with is better because big business doesn't want little money. Um, but little business is just so grateful to build a dream. And my manufacturers now that I work with, like they're family. And I'm going to visit one um, in India in October. And because I've got to meet his, they're now pregnant. I'm waiting so I can go and meet their daughter. Like it's our whole business is based around community and relationships. And that comes into manufacturing and supplies just as much as it does, you know, the products that we send out to our customers. Yeah, amazing. So good. And so how are you managing your health now, Bridie, with the business and family and everything else? Like how have you found that balance or that juggle? I manage it quite well, actually, but I'm very selfish with my time and I don't care about that. Um, I know that I come first and without my health and with me at you know the matriarch of all that flows down uh nothing runs smoothly so I do I love my long walks and I love my meditation I love my saunas but I think relieving myself from a very stressful work environment where I couldn't control the pressure and my value wasn't I'm going to say it was appreciated, but it was very much undervalued. Um, when you're working for yourself, it's hard not to overwork because, you know, you, there's always things that you can mm. do, but you also need to think about what can be done in a day and really be proud of that um, because I, I think we don't acknowledge the amazing things that we do when we run our own business because we're always wanting to do more, mm. be busier, um, but for myself, I need to alleviate the stress and I think I've created a pretty beautiful world um, around me with family and beautiful routines and a job that I love. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think something that you said that I I don't think is a given for a lot of women is I come first. And I think that this is something that so many women struggle with because they do not feel they're like, well, I obviously can't come first. Like my family, like my kids have to come first, my family, like my clients, like I have to, I have to make sure that everybody else is all right. Like I can't have that thought. And was that something that you've always had or did you feel like after you had the diagnosis and everything now, like that's something that you've learned along the way or do you feel like that's always been something you've thought? It's something that I've definitely learned along the way. And as I said, I don't feel mum guilt pressure that I'm going to work and building this empire. You know, I'm not at the pub. I'm not off gallivanting I am creating a beautiful future for my family and some days if I go to work for 12 hours well that's just because I go to work for 12 hours and I shouldn't feel bad about that women we shouldn't feel bad about this no one asks you know if if the husband or the partner does similar and my husband my husband runs a company also but we are very balanced in our 
um, you know, parental responsibilities because it's not about gender. It's about doing what one needs to do to, um, you know, to move forward. And some days I work a lot and then some days I'm on canteen duty. So I really need to be aware, we really need to be aware as women that we do come first and we're allowed to say that out loud and not feel ashamed and feel like, oh, no, but everyone comes. Oh, but I, they all come before me. Sorry. Because if you aren't leaning into your full truth self and, you know, yourself as a whole, um, you're not showing up for anyone. Yeah, totally agree. Put your oxygen mask on first, um, always. And I, I loved you shared a tip or you shared something at the huddle that I think a lot of people were kind of like, oh, my gosh, I really need to think about that was around how much you get done in a certain amount of time and a little <laughs> and a little hack that you use where we were just like, gee, go girl. So how do yeah. you manage how do you manage your time? What does your day sort of look like? So this is a funny one. And because I'm a creative and I guess I can show up online on, you know, quite airy fairy at sometimes, um, I'm very structured, very structured to the point it scares people. And my little um, timer hack is an egg timer. So, you know, let's just think going back to when we, you know, went into motherhood, when your child sleeps for 45 minutes, I can easily get three hours worth of work done in that 45 minutes because I know they're going to wake up soon. But once we step out of that, we forget about how productive we can be in such a small amount of time because we think, oh, we've got two hours to do those emails. Yeah, but we could probably do them in 20 minutes. Why are we allowing ourselves to take two hours? This is why I can go for walks and do meditation because when that 45-minute time is on and I'm allowing myself 45 minutes of creating content, doing emails, whatever it is, I know that I'll get them done in that point of time. I also, um, one thing that I was offline at the huddle talking about is segmenting emails which is a big thing for people in business my emails only come through twice a day because I don't want to start my day with an email so I segment my emails to come through at 12 o'clock and then 4 30 p.m so they'll all show up at 12 I and love it. I have my lunch at 12 45 so typically when they come through I'll be like right delete 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 reply and I will never reply so fast in my life because I'm starving and I've got these emails to get through. So, and and then if someone replies to that email at 12, I won't get the reply until 4.30 because I'm busy. Mm, I love that. That's so good. I do. I mean, that's, that's kind of coming in. I always schedule my emails to go out at a certain time, but mm. I've not scheduled them to come in at a certain time. I always yeah. love me a good productivity and time-saving hack for sure. It's and another one is it's turn your phone on Bluetooth. Often when I'm filming content, I'll put my phone on Bluetooth. So on airplane mode, why videos will go for half an hour, and I don't want a phone call in that time. Okay. And I'll forget to turn it back on, and be like, oh, I just got so much work done. How did that happen? Because my phone didn't ping. So now when it's a content day or a work day, I'll just turn my phone off. Like it's that shouldn't really be a part of our day is to listen to bings and dings and, yeah. you know, cause we like to be distracted. So just 
turn it off. Yeah. And I have my notifications turned off as well. I normally say like I'll check um, in the morning and then at lunchtime and then maybe in the evening for like messages and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I just, it's, it's so funny because sometimes my phone will vibrate. So that's how I get my messages and my kids will be like, mom, there's a message. And I'm just like, and that's fine. We don't have to respond. <laughs> like, it's so funny how it's kind of like yeah. my kids are like, but mom, but mom. and I'm like, it's, and I just want to kind of bring that where we don't have to be like Pavlov's dog, where the minute there's a bell or something, we're like jumping to it. Yeah. It's totally fine for us to get to things in our own time. And when we're in flow and we're actually creating good work and in the zone, an email is most probably adding to our to-do list of mm. things we don't want to do, answering someone else's needs. So I always save those things for always sort of the slump, three o'clock, mm. when the stuff you don't want to do, I definitely don't do in the morning. The morning's me time. Go for my walk, do my meditation, creativity, designing fibres, filming videos, talking to customers, and then emails, boring other people. You know, <laughs> we, we give ourselves the worst time of the day and then wonder why we're not enjoying it. Like I give myself the morning because yeah. I come first. <laughs> Absolutely. I literally just shared this on a podcast like last week. Why do we give ourselves the crappiest time for when we work? Like when are we most yeah. energized? When is the best time for us to, you know, invest in ourselves when we're feeling our best? Why do we always kind of yeah. do it as an afterthought? So I love, I love that we're on the same page as that. So good. So there's a couple of other things. So I did want to talk about the community as well and building. So what have been some of the lessons that you've learned along the way when it comes to building your business, but also really embracing the community and how you've grown that? Um, honesty, because honesty and transparency in a business and in, in one like mine, which is community built, is incredibly important. Taking feedback and realizing that it's not actually you they're talking about, it's your business. So if someone says, oh, I don't like this product, well, they're not saying, I hate you, Bridie, as a person. They're saying, I don't like this product. Yeah. Not taking it personally. And listening. People want to be seen and heard, valuing their time just as much as I value my time. But it's, it's the whole person. I always say that I build customers who scream it from the roof. My customers create customers. And it's because I nurture them through conversation. I give them advice and tips. I'm always there to help them build businesses or to share ideas. And we need to think that when you are building a community, which is a niche community like mine, you might be a maker in South Australia who has no one local to you that does what you do. So the conversations that they're having online are the ones that get them through, that light them up. And I know that I am that to many people. And I promote engagement through our DMs and through our um, Facebook group. It's got 15,000 makers in it that just go there to chat because their friends don't like what we like. <laughs> Um, but it's just about being heard. People people just need to be nurtured um, through every aspect. 
And I think the community that we've built around this creative one um, does that really well. Awesome. And I know that you, when we kind of got on this call, you're like, it's a content day for me. I'm going to be doing videos (laughs) and that sort of stuff. And so I'd love to know when it comes to your personal brand and the business and the content that you create, what's your thought process around it? Like what's, do you have a strategy or are you kind of creating from inspiration? Like how are you positioning yourself? Let's start with that. How do you position yourself in your business and in this industry or this niche? So I like to say that I, it's, it, as a teacher, I'll always be a teacher. And within our community, there's a lot of secrets being kept by people who don't want other people to excel. I'm a teacher. I want everyone to sell work, to get better, to evolve, to be inspired. So I break my content down into educational videos and content, which shows people how to do different techniques, different styles. Then we've got the humor, which creates laughter because I'm a bit of a goose. I was a drama and art teacher. So I do love a bit of performing. (laughs) Um, And then you're nurturing the customer you've got. So you just can't, you know, a viral reel won't build your business. Mm. You can get 20 million views on a reel for people who will never buy from you. It might be great to get eyes on your page, but then you need to show them what to do, why you're doing it, how you're going to sell it. And like, there's so many levels um, that we need to involve in our strategy if we want to be successful. Yeah. And I saw you the other day, like you launched, you did a live and you were launching like some new colors and of fibers and things like that, which was gorgeous. And so from a sales perspective, obviously like what's the time period of a design through to production through to sort of release? How long is that process? So with COVID, yeah. who knows? Um, so I do my, I import in large containers. So I do 40 foot containers a couple mm. of times a year. And I normally design huge collections and each container might have four or five collections in it, but typically four to six months from, well, I normally do probably six months of R and D for a single product. Um, and then once we've got it perfect, it's probably four to six months before it's on the shelf. Mm. And so are you looking at the colours coming into the next season, like what the trends are, that sort of thing, um, when you're in that planning mode too? Yeah. What's, what season we'll be entering? Also what I think people need. Um, so when, with COVID, I'm very famous for my neutrals and my vintage colours And after COVID, I was like, you know what? We need some fluoro around here. (laughs) We need some bright colours because... And so I released a rainbow collection uh, of like fluoro crazy bright colours that literally are just joy. They just make me happy. And so many people have said, they're not my vibe. I'm not sure how they ended up in my cart, but oh my goodness, they just inspire me. They're just so joyful. Yeah. I think sometimes when we look around at trends and what's happening, like we're too late. We need to look at what's happened in the past from our 
you know, from our sales and go, okay, well, if this is routine, what, what colors that sell, um, what season was that? How can we take last winter and evolve it to next winter by looking at, we always look at the catwalks in Paris because they're a bit ahead of us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, season-based, textile-based, it's all just just new. I like new things. Yeah. My customers say, oh, please don't tell me this is limited edition. And I'm sorry, it is <laughs> because we need to keep evolving it. My first product collection had four colors and now I've got 180. So some disappear and some come back, but we need to allow a little bit of shift. Yeah. Not just get used to the one color that we love because that's boring and we won't have, you know, the creative evolution of us as makers if we just stay in that lane. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the reasons why I was asking that is because, from a sales perspective, so, you know, when you're talking about content and what you're creating and then like your new season colors and launches coming out, what's your process, your thought process around how you sell it? Like, what are the things that you do that kind of you're like, if we want to sell this, this is how we need to show up. This is what we need to tell them. This is what we need to do. Like, do you kind of have thoughts around that and how you go about selling? Because you sell so much. You've got an incredible community. They're seriously engaged. What's your sales process and what's your, your, your mindset around sales? I like to say I have this little thing in my studio. It's, it's more than macrame. We're not selling cotton we're selling an emotion, we're selling a story. So why do people make? People typically don't make because they want the wall hanging at the end. They make because they like the joy it creates. They make because they like the escapism that it provides. They make because they love the happiness it brings when they gift it to a friend. So I need to show people that these products can create that. It's not about red cotton. It's about the joy and the experience that you can have with that and the happiness you can, you know, the, the, the moody night sitting in front of the fire, weaving away. It's I'm selling a feeling and an emotion because that is what it is. Like people create because they want to connect. And it's, it's that that I really um, try to get through when I'm launching products. I love that. That's so good. And so do you kind of bring that into your content as well? So let's say you've got this new, uh, the new color range. Like, do you show them all the, cause I, I love watching you creating on your reels and I'm just like, you make it look so easy when you're, when, well, you're it like, is. <laughs> when you're doing it. But I just think actually showing people how to use it or what they can do with it um, is, is very enticing. Cause then it's like, Oh, I could do that. Yeah. And you can do that. I, some of my customers that, you know, as they say, they're not typical creatives, they're lawyers and doctors. And they'll message me saying, I can't believe that I love this. I'm on Pinterest finding patterns. Who am I? I'm a lawyer. And because it's quite often when I do videos, people just, I just like to watch you do it. It's so calming. And that is what it creates. So as funny as it is, that's a part of the marketing strategy to show people that it's easy to do, 
to, and as a teacher, you know, you don't show someone the final step. You show them the introduction. You warm them up. Um, even just brushing the cotton, just showing how soothing that is. Yeah. It's, it's the feeling. I love that. That's so good. And so are there any other lessons that you've kind of learned along the way where you're like, you know, something that was quite pivotal, like that was something that made a really big difference with like the trajectory of the business or how I showed up in the business. Like, are there any kind of key moments within your business where you're like, when I decided to do that, like everything changed or there was a big shift? think little things along the way and for any business um, it's not looking at what other people in your industry are doing because we can't do what they do and we're not them especially when your business is a personal brand it just feels icky to walk in someone else's footsteps and when you get to the destination you don't like it there So I really lean into who I am a thousand percent and some people identify with that and some people don't and that's okay because the world is abundant and I don't need everyone to align with me and my brand. Um, I think not listening to people is just as important as listening to people because people come to us with so much negative advice because they have had failure Mm. or they have seen you know a certain trajectory but that doesn't matter you know we can't we don't stop riding a push bike because someone else fell off we just need to follow our vision because it's ours um and I I think one thing which I don't know is a little bit some people agree with or not. I've never, we can't, we can't, um, because I have such a niche product. Um, some of my friends, I remember when I was starting out, I was thinking, oh, can you like my Facebook page? And they didn't want to like my page. They liked me. They loved me, but they don't like macrame, just as I don't like their vet business page, you know, I think some of us rely on our friends and family to build our business. Um, And that's not how it goes. You need to find your people, see where they hang out and, and build it in a more, and you can, when no one that you know is watching, you run to the finish line. Sometimes when you think your mum's watching, your cousin, your sister, you sort of shy away from what you really want to be expressing as well, because you think they're going to be judgy. But it's just a performance online. So find people, go to Facebook groups, go to other pages, find people who you think will align with your business, your offering, your service, rather than relying on the neighbour next door to buy a scarf from you. Go and find people that like scarves. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, total, totally agree. That's so good. And so what's next? What's next for the Bridie Empire, for the Merrymakers? Ah. Who knows? I'm going to India in October, so that will be fantastic. After a two-year delay, we were meant to fly there in May 2020. That didn't happen. Um, And I really want to go into the whole creativity space. 
coming from a teaching background and having such a loyal customer base, I see gaps in their knowledge and their confidence that I really wish I could fill in a more, you know, in an easier way. Um, in my DMs, we have lots of conversations around, you know, different fears they have or, you know, different handbrakes that they place on their business. And, you know, I've built Mary Maker to what it is now. Um, designing new products will always be my happy zone, but I really want to move into a space where I can not just show people how to use products, design products, but I really want people's businesses to explode and show them how to be profitable and just have a happy little creative community of profitable artists. Amazing. We were told they could never do it and they are. Yeah, that's so good. I know we spoke about it when we were at the huddle as well. And I just think, yeah, like, why not? Like there are so many people that need help. And I just think, especially when you've been there and you've been through it and you've done it and you, you know, I just think that there's so much amazing knowledge and experience that you could be sharing with them for sure. So that's exciting. Who knows? <laughs> the world is our oyster. And typically I don't actually, our, my brain is a very creative place and I don't, necessarily like to have set goals because I think they're quite limiting um because once you reach them like you're at the top of the mountain where is there to go down um but I just like to go in that direction yeah so that will be my direction is going back into sort of my teaching area but leaning into you know my creative peeps yeah I love that that's so good awesome and one last question, where did Mary Maker come from? Because it's M-A-R-Y. I don't, I'm like, I don't yeah. think we spoke about this at the huddle, but where did that name come from? So Mary is my nan's name. It's oh. my middle name and my mum's middle It's all of our middle names. And, um, yeah, and typically when I started, I didn't want to be called Bridie something because I always knew I would pivot and transition and do lots of things. Yeah. So Mary was a really strong female name for me. Um, And that's what this is about, like female strength, like uniting it. That's us. So good. I love it. Well, Bronnie, (laughs) thank you so much for sharing. I love your story and I love your attitude and I love the way that you think. So I knew that when I heard you speak, I was like, oh, we need to have a chat on the podcast because I know my audience are going to love it. It's been a pleasure. I mean, what you're doing is just you're elevating so many women to lean into just the glorious world and take their business by the hands and just skyrocket. It's incredible to see what you're doing. Thank you, lovely. I so appreciate it. And I just loved, I loved spending so much time with you and the other ladies too. Like I think it was just such a gift to be able just to kind of have that time and be able to chill out as well um, and have all of those really great conversations. Like it was so amazing. We're going to have all of your links in the show notes, but for those who are walking the dog or in the car, where's the best place to connect with you? So find me on Instagram. It's Mary, M-A-R-Y, Mary Maker Studio. 
uh, and that's across all socials, but I hang out in the DMs. Oh, I love it. So good. Thanks for hanging, <laughs> Bridie. My absolute pleasure. Isn't she a powerhouse? I absolutely love the way she thinks and the way she shows up and I love her business story and I hope you did too. So make sure that you go and check her out and if you're a crafty person, you know, I started, I was a crafty person. I used to do cross stitch when I was a kid and have done so many other things and I just really love watching her Instagram, if I'm honest. I find it very interesting and soothing as well. So make sure you go check out Merry Maker Studio online and go and say hi to Bridie and give her some love as well. That's it for another week. Amazing to have you here. Just remember, you can always connect with me on Instagram at Suze Chadwick. If you've got any questions, I am here for it. Happy to answer them for you. Feel free to share this episode if you got a lot of value out of it. And I cannot wait to see you next week back here on the podcast.